0: Will ChatGPT drive a tech bull market? I'm Jason Kelly, and this is Your Investing Questions, answered by Jason Kelly. If you'd like to record a question to be answered on a future episode, please leave a message at 303-747-4428. And please wait through the slight pause before the beep comes. That's tricked a few people who have hung up too early and claimed it didn't work. It actually does. There's just a bit of a pause in there. You can also email me a question at jason at com. That's how today's question came. Colin in Chandler, Arizona asked via email whether I think OpenAI's chat GPT will drive a tech bull market. Sure I do. I just addressed this last Sunday, actually, in the Kelly Letter. I'll go through my main reasons here. ChatGPT finally got lazy megatech off the dime. I've written and recorded many times about my frustration with with megatech and how long it's been since we've had meaningful improvements in what we're working with. The the marginal improvements that I've... uh, gone through exhaustively, as frequent audience members know, just more, more pixels, more megabytes, different types of corners on devices and that kind of stuff. But it's, it's been a long time since we've had meaningful new feature sets and, and just a big step forward, whether it's the, the often promised, but never arriving self-driving cars, certainly not the flying cars or, or better social media or. I don't know, voice-activated devices that actually work. You name it, we've been waiting a long time. I would even go farther down the, the food chain to, to recommendation algorithms. Do you trust what Netflix suggests that you watch or, or a music service suggests that you listen to? I learned to not trust those years ago. And I just don't know what they've been doing over there. Who, who's in these research departments? Why is it that hard? And people say, well, this stuff's really tricky. Well, they've been working on it for 20 years in many cases. And they've got God's amount of money in their bank accounts. So what is the excuse exactly? I don't know. But it's it's been a long time since we've had anything really revolutionary come along. And now we finally have. And it didn't come from any of the megatechs. It didn't come from Google or Apple or Amazon or Facebook, Meta or Twitter or any of those places. It didn't come from any of the biggies. It came from a little outfit called OpenAI. Not so little anymore, but at least a startup called OpenAI. And that's ChatGPT. I think just this on its own is really good news because the tech industry needed a wave of disruption. They've been just getting fat and lazy on this river of billions of dollars in revenue that just happens no matter what. I've joked among my friends that no matter what Apple puts out, they just basically say, new phone. And everyone's like, uh, uh, okay, new phone. And they go out and get it. So whatever they churn out, people just snap it right up, never noticing that, hmm, not much different than last year's phone or two years ago or we can go back even five years and there's really not that much difference. Better at taking photos in the dark. Okay, fine, but that's what I mean about marginal improvements. So yeah, ChatGPT coming along, shaking the tree a little bit, getting them out of their slumber, right? The big thing that I touched on last Sunday with subscribers are, are plugins for ChatGPT. Holy smokes, is this thing about to go into overdrive? It's already darn good at GPT-4. That's, that's what I'm using on the, the, the ChatGPT Plus account. It's great and frankly GPT 3.5 was really good too but four is is even better at certain things but one thing it's not been great at is is keeping up with real-time data I write about stocks finance current events all the time and so it doesn't do me much good to use something that has data only through 2021 and that's what the the data set that trained chat GPT uh, is up to only to, to 2021. Not so great for someone dealing with what happened yesterday, last week, this morning, that kind of thing. Well, that's all about to change, because among many plugins that are right around the corner, OpenAI is going to release a browser plugin where you can just type in your query like you would at a search engine, and and it will run the query, and... It's, I think it's going to use Bing. So it'll use Microsoft's Bing search engine because those two companies are collaborating, Microsoft and OpenAI, because Microsoft is a big investor in OpenAI. That's how it's hoping to leapfrog Google at long last. So with this this plugin to ChatGPT, you'll be able to type in your query. It can browse the internet using Bing for real-time data, the same results you would get if you went to Bing or another search engine and typed in that same query it will read the results of that query, in other words, visit those websites on its own much much more quickly than you could, scrape them for the relevant details pertaining to your query, and then come back and show you a, a summary of those results in its own original writing. Now, this is just fascinating to no end. It, it raises so many questions right away. First of all, is this plagiarism? Well, not really. When you think about how a human being writes an article, if I'm, if I'm going to write about a current event, let's say last Friday's labor report from the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and that's public information, but I didn't create it. I could go to the BLS news release, and I frequently do that. That's called Original Sources. I have primary sources and I frequently do that, but sometimes I'll read about it in a different form of media. It might be a, a Wall Street Journal article, Financial Times, maybe a blog post, something on LinkedIn, who knows where, you know, things things get out there, right? I would read those, look over them and on my own pull out key points that I think are important to my audience and then I would rewrite those key points in my own words pr- to present to my audience in a more efficient way than if they had to go out and, and visit all these various takes on that public release. How is that legally much different from what chat GPT would be doing with this browser plugin? Off it goes. It finds, it finds a website, say a wall street journal article. Now I cannot just copy the wall street journal article of course, so it doesn't it reads the journal article and then with an eye on the query that i typed in it comes back and responds to me with an answer for me based on what it just read at that wsj article and probably other articles that it found as well and it can do all that much more quickly than a human being can do and seems to get around any kind of copyright concerns or originality concerns because it's it's merely repackaging and summarizing what is originally public information through that government press release. This is darn interesting. Now, it may not be illegal, but it's certainly going to be unpopular with the likes of major media like the Wall Street Journal, Dow Jones and Company, and others, of course, that depend on human beings coming to their websites to consume the information they put out and then, in most cases, click on ads and so on. Wow. So talk about disruptive, right? Not only would people, if, if this thing really works, as well as the demos suggest it will work, it's going to greatly reduce the amount of traffic at search engines and the resulting visits to websites. If I could find out with simple queries like, like uh, what was the labor report last Friday? And it comes back, says, I searched the following top five financial news services, And it looks like the labor report basically, here's what happened, the number of jobs, unemployment rate, participation ratio, and sort of the key factors. I could probably even eventually create a template with it so I could say, all right, ChatGPT, give me my usual monthly labor market rundown using the usual template I give you, which tells it which things are important to me. Boom, it comes right back. That's very appealing to me, very. I would love to, to shortcut my process of pulling this stuff together in order to get to adding real value for my audience, which is not in regurgitating public news releases. But you still have to acknowledge what's going on. So it might not even be to pass along a summary of what the labor market looks like as of last Friday. It might just be, I need to know that in order to speak intelligently about what our portfolio is doing, etc. It's just an unbelievably appealing research tool. Now, uh, (laughs) just just amazing. I want to read to you a quote from last Sunday's Kelly Letter. A little free preview for you freeloaders. Ha ha. Just kidding. Anyway, here we go. From last Sunday's Kelly Letter. Quote, if chat GPT users can do most of what they want without searching Google or visiting websites, the traditional online revenue model is in deep trouble. Google could lose much of its search ad business, as well as business from clicks on ads it places outside of its properties. For the first time in two decades, it's possible that online will not remain synonymous with Google. You know who dislikes this idea? Google. End quote of myself. <laughs> that really does get it right there, doesn't it? I and it, it well, except that it goes beyond even just repackaging information. The the plugins. Are going to be able to even make hotel reservations, place shopping orders with with grocery delivery companies, and so on. And I'm sure there's a, a deep bench of other plugins coming. So even though the first iteration of Chat GPT that, that got wildly popular, starting with the launch last November 30th, was is very good at what it does. Responding to queries, writing writing Response to those queries, I mean, and, and in a natural language style, helping to edit and just general language manipulation. It's excellent at that. But now it's going to go beyond that to use that capability to communicate with the user to get actual things done online, which is just it's, it's mind blowing to think about. And it's mind blowing to consider what an instant threat this presents to the biggest companies we have on Earth. I, for one, love it. I love it. I've been so frustrated with these fat, rich guys, (laughs) these rich, fat cats sitting back, soaking up all these billions year after year with just the most minimal inching forward on the innovation front. I am sick of it. I'm so glad that a tornado is blowing through their napping pods and, and really getting them off the dime and getting going here. That can only be good for the tech industry. And with that, let's move along to to what kind of profits, new profits this is going to create beyond whatever new innovation comes along from the likes of Google and others in the crosshairs of chat gpt's uh, jumping capabilities here. The need for all kinds of support services is is enormous. Accelerated computing data center scaling, I read about new chips that are being developed specifically to power the needs of of, of AI demands, cloud computing, of course, for storage and and processing, and and various other AI services. Now, NVIDIA, for one, jumped all over this. From the generative AI page on its website, you can get a sense for how it's making more money on the wave of AI hype started by ChatGPT's launch on November 30th. Uh, This is from NVIDIA's website, quote, Generative AI capabilities are taking the world by storm. AI can now summarize text, compose images, write code, and more. Enterprise applications need AI that's customized to focus on their domain, be knowledgeable about their business, and have the skills necessary to accomplish high-value tasks. These models need to scale across business functions and learn as the business grows and evolves. Generative AI models would codify your organization's intelligence. End quote. This is the hype wave of all hype waves. Every company you talk to goes to great lengths to get AI into something that's gonna say every single earnings report. You know, I mean, you know, just the companies that seem as far from AI as you can imagine are are wanting to get it in there. You know, you you would believe after listening to some of these earnings reports that that AI is going to make your your next sandwich at your favorite restaurant, concoct your next soft drink recipe, including new secrets to be locked away forever. It's going to be manning missions to the moon or figuring out how to man missions to the moon, (laughs) just, I mean, on and on. It's amazing how, how much it shows up, you know, and... Now, I actually think all the fear articles is helping to drive this because it's just putting the the concept that AI is here in front of a much wider audience with entertaining stuff like how it's going to kill everybody on Earth through various means. And I, I personally dismiss this, even though I know very smart AI scientists have made warnings against this. I, I get it. I get it. But... I I suppose the following is really for a different type of podcast. be more about a social political podcast, but I'll just give you my quick take on it. The reason I believe most analysts and just most voters, I guess, let's say, most people who have a stake in how policy is made are dismissive of these AI warnings is because secretly we all kind of want AI to shake things up in the social political realm just as much as we want them to shake things up in Silicon Valley. Are, are you in love with the way politics works right now? Do you like the fraud and corruption and backscratching and all the, the – just the human shortcomings that bog down the whole machine? Wouldn't it be cool to unleash AI into that and just rip the entrenched interests from where they've been stuck for decades or centuries in some cases? Wouldn't it be great if instead of budgets needing to be used up because if they don't use them, they lose them and that kind of crap throughout all corners of government. Instead, we had a much more efficient thing come along and just demonstrate beyond any doubt that it's it's possible to work in a more pure fashion. Now, I don't think it's going to be in either extreme. It's not going to be hellish with, with you know the, the robo-plague taking humanity out. It's not going to be that bad. And it's not going to be some kind of AI Shangri-La where instantly everything's fixed, nobody works anymore, and we just all sit around experimenting with new yogurt recipes. I don't expect either extreme to happen, but one one reason I believe people don't care so much about the warnings about AI's threat to society is that they see that society's pretty screwed up as is. Humanity doesn't exactly have an exemplary track record going here, so why not give the super smart bots a shot at things? That's my take. As I said, not not much of my wheelhouse, but that's why I think we're not seeing much of a response to that warning, warning, warning type of story that's out. But back to how it's going to drive the whole, the whole uh, business here, it, it just looks to me that as more and more companies are going out of their way to say how they're incorporating AI, that a certain percentage of them are actually going to take it seriously and feel that if they don't adopt some kind of AI function in their business model, they're going to fall behind. And that is going to drive a lot of tech profit, which was already going that way. Everybody's moving into the cloud, for example, and just upgrading software, needing new chips and just the usual way that technology marches ahead. Well, this is going to to accelerate that for sure. So in these ways, I, I think this is fantastic to see this disruptive AI wave shake the tech tree and really burst open a whole new potential for uh, a, an era of higher profits. As disruptive as AI has been, as I just described in the last segment, and and as disruptive as I expect it to continue to be, there is a long way to go, plenty of room for improvement. First of all, even just with the current edition of uh, version, rather of Chat GPT, there, there's a lot it needs to get better at. It, it fails a lot of questions, even though it's it's the leader. CNET just did a review of of Chat GPT versus Google Bard versus Microsoft's Bing implementation of Chat GPT, and the 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 unadulterated version of Chat GPT at OpenAI's website is is the leader, and in my opinion, by far, Bard is a is a piece of junk right now. Google really needs to get cracking. And that's kind of where I'm going with this. There's a long way to go. Do we really think Google's going to just say, "Oh well, we had a good quarter century run here, but it looks like our time is up and hand the baton off to OpenAI?" Oh, of course not. It's going to it's already rallying the troops, getting going on this. It, it's first ideas. We we've got to make Bard as good as ChatGPT, but but one of the things I covered in last Sunday's Kelly letter is that these entrenched megatech companies have an added burden of needing to integrate AI with their existing product sets. OpenAI doesn't have to worry about that. All it has is ChatGPT and its other generative AI projects. It doesn't have to worry about protecting the way its search engine works or its, its office document system works or its maps program, the, the, the kind of things that Google has to think about. Yet, Goog- the last thing Google wants to do is release a version of BARD, that everybody says, great, we don't have to use Google search anymore because Google BART is so much better. And of course, they're gonna wanna get ads in there. That's how they make all their money. So, uh, you know, how's that gonna go? Over at OpenAI, you can just type in your query. You never see an ad anywhere. You never see the internet anywhere. It all just gets brought into you by ChatGPT, your, your custom guide to the open internet. And I I just don't see how it's going to work very well for Google to paste on its barred pop-up or clip-on feature, I guess, that's going to help you navigate Google search results or or give you different types of search results and it squeezes ads in there. It's not going to take long for people to just go to a different tab on the browser where that doesn't happen. So long way to go for sure. And I'm sure Google's aware of all this and talking about it and testing it. So it can only be a good thing on the innovation front to see all, finally some competition for the big kahunas we've been operating around for for years now. One of the things that I would say general AI is going to need to get around is is the originality issue. There is a problem with this kind of tech that, that human originality disappears. And that's not because people are, are using the tech to do everything. For example, uh, I, I don't, think it's imminent that open AI is going to create something that writes novels. You won't, you won't just be able to say, I need a good spy novel that takes place in Russia with a flight to Mozambique halfway through. Boom. Uh, oh, how many words would you like that? 72,000, please. There you go. I don't think we're there yet. I, I think we probably eventually will be, but we're not there yet. But people are already asking, is, is this going to take away human, human creativity? Probably not in that way. I think people who want to write novels or or articles or poetry, whatever it is that people want to create with words, they will still keep doing because it's the creation that's most of the fun. And they're probably going to just use ChatGPT the way most writers that I know are already using it, which is as a a souped-up thesaurus, dictionary kind of uh, thought prompt. And and some are already swearing that off, saying that I I don't want it polluting my original thought processes. Like if you if you've done much writing yourself, you probably know that it's a different mode you go into when you're doing good writing. Good writing doesn't happen with constant checks of a reference source and looking something up and and checking your phone that's pinging. the The best writing happens when all of that is turned off. And it's the writer and the blank page or screen these days that, that words are going on to. And I've already talked to writers who were saying that chat GPT needs to be put into that category. The same way you're not running to your dictionary and thesauri every single time to keep your juices flowing, you probably don't want to run to chat GPT and say, what do you think of this wording? Can you think of a better way to describe this person's voice or or what happened in the labor market last week? You can lose a good 15 minutes there trying to wrangle the answer you want out of chat GPT. So in that sense, the truly creative type writers are already saying, okay, I get it now. This is another tool in the box, but it, it really doesn't have magical powers. It just has different powers. So how could it be that originality flattens out? Well, similar to the way algos have have gone wrong for us. I touched on this earlier when when you're in Netflix and it's recommending a movie to watch and you've probably already learned a thing. Yeah, let me just go verify that that's really the kind of thing I want to watch because who knows exactly how it's how it's basing that algorithm. It seems to me that it bases it on you watched this last week and it has another the, the same actor is in this movie this week, so why don't you try that? Talk about thin gruel on the getting-to-know-me front, you know? <laughs> anyway. So um, there is a chance that, that AI could go the way algos go, that they get into this loop that detects popularity among products, and then, the, 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 therefore, the popular products are in that loop, so it wants to recommend those types of products more, which makes them more popular, that what makes them get recommended more, and so on, and we go down the spiral until it's nothing but templates everywhere. We've already seen this in Hollywood, right? How many creative new movies are coming out versus regurgitations of of sequels. Uh, you know, Iron Man 27 is a lot easier for a studio to make than some brand new superhero that hasn't been road tested and doesn't have decades of popularity in comic books and so on. So, we've seen the template- what do we call this? Templatization, I suppose, of the movie industry. Certainly in books, I mean, my gosh, is one romance distinguishable from another? Not easily. And AI could accelerate this trend. I read a nice article about this just yesterday, actually, by Sigal Samuel at Vox. It wasn't yesterday, it was Monday, pardon me. And he, he wrote that recommendation algos with their you like this, therefore you might like that approach end up homogenizing our consumption patterns. And by the way, Seagal Samuel is himself a writer. So this comes from somebody who's thought a lot about this and uses these tools such as a generative AI. Quote from Samuel, music starts to sound the same. Hollywood worships reboots and sequels. We all cook the same epicurious recipes and, more worryingly, read the same articles, which tends to be whatever plays well with the Google algorithm, not what's been buried at the bottom of the search results. End quote. Yes, and this could worsen if AI doesn't even show you search results. It just starts giving you the answer that it found by reading the search results on its own. And. there you are thinking that that's the whole answer and and it really may not be. And it may be presented in a way that's the kind of bland Wikipedia style of writing that that AI seems to gravitate toward because it offers the least odds of offending somebody, which is a, a tiny needle hold of thread these days, isn't it? Well, partly... This this would be a case of most people failing to grasp just about anything. Now, haven't you noticed that? How many technologies have we seen offer wonderful promise in concept and to power users who understand them, only to go off the rails once the crowds arrive? And social media springs to mind, but it's not just that. We've seen this all the time. I, I see people constantly misunderstanding how to use things, everything from calculators to phones to even even I remember back in the day when voicemail was a thing and you could make your own prompt and you still can sometimes but just people don't leave many voice messages anymore. I remember thinking, can we just explain to everybody that you do not have to keep explaining to people to leave a message at the beep? Jeez. <laughs> How many of those were so long in the past? I'm going to say, "Thank you for calling. You've reached the voicemail of Jason Kelly." I can't come to the phone right now, but if you would please leave me your name. You know the whole spiel, and it goes through this three-minute introduction. All you want to do is leave a message. Just get to, can't answer the phone right now, leave a message. Beep, and there you go. Well, that you can imagine. If people couldn't figure out the best way to manage a voicemail message, they're certainly going to screw things up like social media and AI. So I don't know how much of this can be improved, but we are going to have to make AI idiot-proof, and there are a lot of idiots. So you can imagine that the guardrails are going to be thick and abundant around this technology. I'm not sure how much of that will be an improvement, but, but there will be a lot of change going on as this goes. And for our purposes, that should create a lot of profit. New versions, new versions, new versions is a great way to keep the revenue flowing. So for investors, I continue to think, The arrival of generative AI is a good thing. Will early AI companies be the winners? Not necessarily. Several of my readers wrote to me to say, Jason, you're too gung-ho on open AI, which I, I suppose I am, just in the sense that I'm enthusiastic about ChatGPT, and that's the company that made it. But that doesn't mean I'm certain that open AI is going to own the future. I, I was there when Netscape came out, and it was, it was all the talk of the town. I was actually in Silicon Valley when Netscape came out, and it was the talk of that town. And yet it didn't end up winning, did it? You don't spend much time in Netscape these days, and, and uh, nobody had heard of Google in those days. I remember telling people, I, I'm using a search engine called Google, and I had to put it in quotes. That's how far back I go in this stuff. And certainly Google beat out Yahoo Search and Hotbot and Lycos, AltaVista, all those ones for you oldies but goodies out there. So I do recognize that OpenAI may not end up owning the AI business. And by the way, this is the reason that I prefer indexing. If you look over the year-to-date performances through the end of last week, that's the data that I have readily available, we see that general tech rose about 20% in the first quarter, a little bit into last week, so a little beyond the first quarter, but about 20%. And that's about the same as most mega tech stocks. And then the unleveraged funds, of course, did that same amount. And then 3x funds returned about 60% or three times that much. And you you go down the list of of megatech companies, the ones I focused on were those with a market cap greater than $500 billion. And so far through April 6th, the the leader of that list is NVIDIA, up 85%. And I do think that's in part because of its renewed focus on AI and the fact that AI became the big buzz phrase in media. And second was Meta at 79.6%. And then Tesla, 50.2%. I would say Meta probably got a pretty good boost from its AI focus too. It seems to be setting the Metaverse aside. That didn't go over too well. Even though it changed its name to that, maybe it'll change its name to AI now. And it's been talking about AI and laying people off. So it, it should do better on the cost front. And then now people like its focus on AI. But the, the, the point I'm making now is that we don't need to understand whether it's going to be Google that wins this or Microsoft or OpenAI, if it ever becomes a, a stock, Amazon, whoever. And it, it may well be a company that we're not even talking about. And I, I do acknowledge that. But it remains a reason that I love indexes. I don't need to know for sure. What I can be confident in is that the indexing process is going to contain the winners of AI because they just always contain the winners, period. So the NASDAQ 100, if if Google becomes irrelevant, who knows, but let's say Google becomes irrelevant, well, it's not going to be on the NASDAQ 100 anymore. It's going to be AI company number 27 that breaks through and wipes everybody out, and that'll be on the NASDAQ 100. So if you, like me, think that that... AI is going to spark a whole new wave of innovation and profits in the tech industry, then you may also want to consider a, a, a technology index fund rather than picking and choosing winners on your own. Because I submit and I agree with my readers that we don't know who the winners of this are going to be, except probably investors in index funds. So take that route. All right. Thank you for listening. This is Your Investing Questions, answered by Jason Kelly. To record a question for a future episode, please call me at 303-747-4428. You can also email your question to me at jason at jasonkelly.com. Please subscribe to this podcast from any of the links at jasonkelly.com. To Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other platforms while they still exist before, <laughs> before ChatGPT and its friends wipe them out. Oh, and, and please don't forget to subscribe to The Kelly Letter. It's my bread and butter before I get wiped out by, by ChatGPT's Wall Street plugin. <laughs> Prices on Wall Street are still low, but a recovery is taking shape, including the tech bull market that I discussed in this episode. Please become a Kelly Letter subscriber today at JasonKelly.com to start your own market-beating SIG plans developed by a human being, not AI, including my 9-SIG and income SIG plans, which are both driven by tech via index funds. Current subscribers, thank you for listening today and for doing business with me. I will see you Sunday.